All right, let's roll. What are we doing here, Cam? We're doing a five, four, three, two, one. What are we doing? podcast goosedigital.com vi- virtual edition who do we have robin crawl kevin butler michael turksani okay we're here um we're back we're virtually we're, we're, we're physical distancing so we're we're all on the uh on the podcast from our requisite uh safe locations we decided to go no virtual background because it was causing some issues. So maybe we'll do that later. So everybody's getting a bit of a sneak peek of what's going on behind the scenes. Robin has a bike on her wall, which is really interesting. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's um, aspirations to get it out on the road when this is all over. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So we wanted to kick this off. We've got a series of um, information that we want to start and some tools that we want to start putting out there, uh, specifically around B2Bs looking to pivot. Uh, their communication strategies and their marketing strategies um, from um, trade shows predominantly, but I guess that there's there's uh, any sort of like face-to-face interaction that they may have been doing or relying on throughout uh, 2020 is now a pretty big uh, issue for them to be able to drive that 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 value and that um, that marketing pipeline and and probably even the level of sales engagement that they may have been used to. So we're going to kick this off in terms of um, probably we've, we've already identified four, four or five kind of uh, series here based on the webinars that we're doing. But we're going to start off right now and maybe we'll, we'll let you, Robin, since you kind of put the final, link, final touches on that first piece of communication, just talking first about customers and making sure that um, as we, depending on your organization, you likely have already done some level of customer marketing or customer notice um, I mean, I, I know we've all received hundreds or probably of emails from various um, uh, environments of companies letting us know about their, their COVID-19 kind of impact, but let's just make sure that, you know, we don't ignore our customers. So why don't we talk a little bit about what uh, everyone should be doing if they haven't done it already over the next maybe eight weeks, eight to 12 weeks. Sure. So, you know, as you mentioned, over the last, probably the last two weeks, most organizations have, um, you know, the, the priority was to get a message out to their customer base. And, and you know, what, what that message uh, should have contained is information on, you know, is your business uh, operating? Um, you know, most all offices for the most part are closed, but having that information in there, making sure that contact details are really clear. So your, your customers are, are very likely going to have to reach out to you at some point. What is the best way for them to, to reach out to you? Is it uh, by phone? Is it by email? Making sure that that contact information is really clear. Uh, if there's any uh, day-to-day, such as payments, that um, you know they're going to need to know how to go ahead and proceed with that. Having that information really clear in an email communication going out to them. So you know a lot of businesses have done that, and that's great if that's been the first, that's been the starting point. Um, we know that uh, you know we've been helping a lot of our clients do that. For the most part, they have customer lists, and they've been able to engage uh, with those customers. But a lot of businesses don't do that. 
Um, and really there's, there's no time like a crisis to kind of get things organized. So I would say if any organization does not have a, a list of email addresses uh, for their customers, this is a time to, to get it together. And one of the things we've also been doing with our customers, um, even who had you know, pretty good email lists, there are going to be a percentage of those customers where email addresses have changed since the last communication. And so we've been providing them with those uh, email addresses that have bounced and, um, and, and advising them to go ahead and, and reach out. Maybe they have a phone number, they have another way to, to contact them so that they can, can update their email addresses. So as they're continuing with messages, uh, they will be able to, to reach them over the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. One of the other things that, um, you know, and this is also in the, the customer communication, um, is using your website to make sure that that critical information that you've sent out in your email, that you're using your website to publish that as well. Yeah, website and all channels. You want to uh, talk a little bit, Kev, about kind of the data side that you brought up earlier? Yeah, I, I wonder, um, for a lot of organizations, uh, of course, the impact of COVID caught them slightly by surprise in terms of the ramifications of business operations, how support um, for customers, for prospects, and just its own employees would look like. And I, I wonder if, um, I'm, I'm sure there's a number of organizations who were caught off guard with the ability to actually communicate quickly with their customers because either uh, not great data in their CRMs or, or just not set up properly in order to be able to move and mobilize quickly. Um, and even the ability to differentiate between active and existing customers would say, older clients who you, you haven't done as much work with recently. And so I think we've, we've all seen the posts on LinkedIn and Twitter saying, I didn't need to hear from the, the drywall installer from five years ago that his business is impacted by COVID today. But um, I wonder if, if a lot of organizations now can sit back after a few weeks of dealing with this new reality we're all living in saying, we didn't have the data in our database managed effectively enough to respond quickly and sending communications to the people who needed it only rather than an entire list that you know we haven't really communicated to half of them in three plus years yeah i mean chris what's your kind of perception on you know the what you've seen um you know from obviously from our clients that have these really robust platforms to be able to pivot pivot in, in a situation like this i mean you don't plan for situations like this but and then those that are kind of becoming very uh, hot in your pipeline for, to, to put platforms like uh, like ours in place over the next uh, uh, kind of in a almost like a faster accelerated uh, onboarding in order to get uh, this stuff uh, together. Yeah, there's no doubt that, um, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, a company like ourselves, which, you know, is, is uh, you know, about six years in sixth year of operation, um, you know, all of our, the work that we do is all cloud, like everything that we do, all the systems that we use are all cloud. So moving to uh, remote um, management was extremely easy. We deal uh, with many of our customers that are, you know, I guess you could say late adopters or, or more, more accurately, they are, um, you know, uh, legacy systems, which are not as easy to kind of make that transition. So, um, you know, I think what, what has really been heightened over the last, you know, several weeks 
is um, you know organizations that realize, gee, we really are um, you know kind of like needing to step up our game in terms of of getting onto uh, you know systems that can support not just you know sort of this emerging um, labor market that is pretty much demanding that kind of uh, that kind of ability, but actually being able to support our customers properly in uh, you know in a, a, a virtual or a, in terms of a um, uh, you know. Um, remote workplace environment. So that's one. Yeah, so the, oh, sorry, go ahead. Right, and so from the from the standpoint of just sort of the basic being able to operate um, in a situation like this, uh, that has sort of come home, I think, to a lot of organizations. Gee, you know, we are, uh, you know, we need to sort of step up uh, the game. Uh, secondarily, it's like the realization that on top of, of being able to just basically operate in a, in a situation like this, um, it's like, how do we now, you know, get our, get a consistent message out? Uh, and how is it even possible? We've got a number of salespeople, customer service people, we've got customers that are looking for, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the details on, you know, how do I pay? How do I get service? How do I maintain, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. Uh, the service that I need to provide to my customers, how is this partner of mine going to help me do that in this environment? So being able to sort of get those messages out. So from our standpoint, we are getting sort of like the, the organizations that we have spoken with who, who definitely got the message, but weren't seemingly ready to kind of move forward are now realizing, okay, there is sort of some real value in having that consistent message. And here is a platform that I've heard of, but I, you know, I need to sort of, you know, understand it a little bit more so you know I guess I, I could say that you know some of the uh, discussions that we have been having over the last you know three years with organizations they're starting to we're starting to sort of get some um, you know get some some traction in those conversations and I guess uh, you know I mean not that you know it's, it's it's you know we're we're in that sort of weird sort of period here and again when is it when is it early when when is it not too soon to kind of start reaching out with aggressive messaging on, you know, getting it together. Because I think right now we're still in that sort of uh, place where organizations are still getting that first piece done, the first yeah. piece getting the customer comfortable with, okay, we're okay. We can actually, you know, we're okay. Now, when, when is it that they're going to be ready to kind of, uh, you know, well, I think that that dovetails nicely. So, I mean, the same marketing automation platform that <clears throat> you're using to drive, your top of funnel, I mean, you know, we've talked a lot at length on the podcast and just in our own approach to looking at the marketing automation platform uh, more holistically across the entire kind of customer journey and, and marketing's mm -hmm. role that they play. Um, you, you know, it is the same system, the same technology that is driving that top of funnel, middle of funnel stuff also can drive your, your bottom of funnel and your customer communication. So, you know, having that platform, um, is, is a real is a real benefit if you've already got that going and and I think to your point Kev on data management and data quality if you've pigeonholed your marketing automation platform into the top of funnel and you only look at it that way then you may not be in a good position to really execute those did you want to touch on that briefly Kevin then we can pivot on to where Chris was going sure I think you said a you did a pretty good job capping that up but um, I, I absolutely think that um, most organizations were, were using marketing automation and still are for, for largely new lead and lead gen initiatives. And so certainly a, a fast reaction to just dump all customers and databases into a list and just fire it out for the necessity of communicating, you know, 
updated and changed operations. So I think to your point, this is certainly a catalyst for organizations to either adopt marketing automation in general as a means for ongoing communications. Like we don't really know the long-term impact and changes this will cause to business moving forward, even once um, treatments and resolutions are in place. But what we do know is email marketing and audience communications, which we've always said audiences can be leads and partners and customers, et cetera. Um, we do know that email is the primary channel to communicate with them, especially with quarantines and stay at home um, movements yeah. very much in place. So I think whether you, you don't have marketing automation today, this is certainly a catalyst to start looking at that as sort of a fundamental requirement for business operations moving forward. And if you do have it, I think it's also a catalyst to say, how are we using it? What have we learned in terms of opportunities to improve how we're using it or further adopt it across the organization into customer and account or however your business is lined up to be able to communicate effectively with your, your entire audience rather than just new lead audiences. Yeah, it's great. Some of the most successful <clears throat> customers that we have as well as um, through this period have been the ones that have already had a strong customer marketing yeah. initiatives as part of what they're doing to be able to kind of pivot in uh, on the same platforms and same compliance and same uh, processes. Robin, maybe I'll, I'll let you take this one first, but where Chris was going was really, um, when is it okay? When, when do we start thinking about marketing again? And part of what our uh, role is right now is helping partners uh, think through how they're going to pivot uh, you know, from probably a um, reliable lead generation and um, marketing strategy that was maybe heavily in um, trade shows and conferences to fill their funnel and to build those relationships to now um, probably, as we've seen with a lot of the, the research, much more of a digital plan. Why don't you talk about kind of how you see the next, you know, solid 12 weeks, I would think of, of this being here and, and it's going to really affect the balance of the year in terms of large groups of people being um, probably allowed to be together and, and start to, you know, uh, start to be okay with companies marketing again. Sure. So, you know, really these couple of weeks, everybody's been looking exactly what's going on right now, but businesses that are going to be ready for as we start to come out of this, and certainly when we're out, those businesses are the ones that are already thinking of that period right, right now. Right. So it's 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 not too early to do that. But there's definitely uh, certain things to, to keep in mind. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that, that we've talked about right away is making sure that you're not tone deaf to the situation, but that you're focusing on your brand value. Mm -hmm. So how can you have that, you know, that 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 sales type message, but being um cognizant of what your your customers are going through and i think one of the best ways to do that is to look back to you know what what is your brand value what is it about um your products um that you know is going to be of value in getting that message out in a way that's not coming as a very very a heavy sales message, but more of this is a benefit. Um, there's the, the, the relationship concept. And for brands to start thinking about that, um, it, 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 
and nobody has all the answers right away. I think that, that you know, we need to be clear about that. Um, there's a lot of testing and learning going out. So as you're putting together these messages, um, you know, test how they are going to resonate with your audience. Um, you know, think about, all right, so this, this, we know that in this situation, this is an additional value that we can provide our customers. Communicate mm -hmm. that message out um, and see how that, that resonates. Um, I think that's the best way to, uh, to go forward. One of the other things I just wanted to dovetail on, on something that uh, Chris and Kevin has mentioned um, about the data and, and personalization as well. And I think that's another really big uh, focus as you're going forward, making sure that you're tailoring your message to your audience. Um, whether that's your customers or you're looking at your, your pipeline. So making sure that you are really trying to connect with them and having a message that's really beneficial to them. And, you know, these digital, digital channels, um, using your marketing and automation platform, that's really the best opportunity to, to do that. Um, you can use your data, you know, you have an idea of your, your brand, your products, and your customers and putting together really uh, targeted messaging um, that, that's going to make them want to engage with you. So Chris, we, um, I'll let you go on this one. I mean, we took a pause. I think we're kind of probably next week towards the tail end of next week would be when we sort of told our base of uh, pipeline opportunities that we would Kind of lay off any any follow-up so one of the things that goose digital did right away um after we all kind of decided to work from from home on march 13th was we sent a, a notice to all of our mqls and sqls saying you know we're gonna uh we're here if you need us we're not shutting down but we're also not going to flood your inbox because at that point it was getting you know all the ramp up of all the messaging was happening and people were just trying to adjust to this i'm not sure the right timing you know, another week is the right timing, but but I think we are seeing um, an op an opening up to to people feeling like they want to have these conversations again. Yeah, I think it's the uh, you know one one of the things, and, and again, just affecting us both personally and in business um, is the you know the obviously the physical or the social distancing that's been. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's basically been the biggest change in our lives, I guess, you know, uh, concerts canceled, you know, full tours canceled, uh, sales force um, uh, canceled, everything basically, you know, not being able to, uh, to sort of, and, you know, talking about the pipeline. Um, I've been a little bit surprised, although uh, Kevin and I have been working with an account uh, for the past year that is looking that, that, you know, already was thinking of transitioning out of sort of support, uh, supporting their pipeline uh, growth with, with trade show. They've, they, they probably do, you know, between 20 and 25 shows per year. So a couple of, of trade shows per month um, and looking to transitions, you know, out of that in a, you know, somewhat gradual, but, but serious way getting into the, onto the digital side. Um, mm -hmm. And using and using more digital rather than trade shows. One of the things that sort of came to me was I was really surprised by you know what's happened in the last couple of weeks where people have been you know letting letting us know yeah we were really relying on trade shows. Well, 
hasn't the conversation for 10 years been that trade shows are like over that like you know people weren't really you know relying on trade shows and that they they were needing to kind of rely on other things i've been like really kind of you know from from my perspective it's kind of like okay great let's talk about mm -hmm. it as you know, we can we can definitely sort of um, uh, assist in terms of establishing and, and working with you on creating that digital approach to um, you know to to you know help your pipeline help help uh, develop that pipeline. But you know that has really struck me is just how many organizations again primarily uh, organizations that have been very successful uh, whether it's a product that they have whether it's a um, a service that they have they've been they've been definitely you know showing their faces and being very um you know very hands-on with their customers and their prospects at these trade shows um uh so yeah that, and i think I, I think i think we let kev go for a bit on that um as we get sort of the top of our podcast hour i mean i think we know i mean i think there's a reason for that i mean i think if you're at the right show with the right audience and the right message and the right offering, it, they, they work, right? I mean, like Kev, like they've, they've, they at least can deploy dollars, likely knowing they're going to get a certain predictable uh, lead yeah. flow. I think so. I also think it, it comes down to sort of natural human behavior and trade shows are a known quantity, even if some results are tending to slide uh, backwards a little bit over the years, Chris, to your point. Um, but we know what they are and fundamentally we understand we go and meet uh, a group of people in an industry that we seek and target and can go materialize quality conversations into hopefully opportunities and subsequent revenue. So I think the idea of saying let's scale back from trade shows in a normal environment where there's no COVID outbreaks and stay at home policies in place, you say let's shift uh, a significant portion of our budget from events into digital mediums and new ideas, like whether it's virtual meetups or whatever else. And, and most people unfamiliar to doing something like that in the past would say, Oh, no way. Like I can't risk doing that. I'd rather go with something I know. So this catalyst, this movement's forcing creative solutions to these things. And I think from a marketing standpoint, that's really exciting because we're going to see, and we've already seen small instances of it, but the longer this goes, the more we're going to see some real uh, marketing engineering in terms of creative solutions to still get in front of audiences in different ways. One of the things I've been wondering a little bit is, at some point we're going to come out of this and resume what we call normal life and normal business operations, including events and trade shows and the like. And so some events have just either canceled or done the full virtual thing, but Whenever we get back to normal life, there's going to be a serious amount of event compression, whereby a lot of these significant events are saying we're going to be uh, in the fall now, and there's going to be a, a race to do it before sort mm -hmm. of that, that end of summer period into holiday lockdown period. And so I wonder is if everyone's trying to get senior leaders from organizations to their events, how does someone pick? Where do you go? How do you do that? Like calendar and event compression is going to be a real thing. So I think there is an opportunity now. Robin, to your point, not in a tone-deaf manner, but an opportunity now to get in front of some of those audiences before they become even more difficult to reach yeah. by sheer overwhelming amounts of marketing. That's the perfect word, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it ties nicely into, you know, the next uh, topics that we have. I mean, we <clears throat> didn't talk a ton about it here. Maybe we'll pick off two topics next time, but we do want to talk about how to pivot your budget into digital. I mean, it, it isn't a one-to-one -one as, as we've sort of been calling that or using that phrase. Um, you talked about test and learn Robin and, and um, 
Kev, you talked about it being a known entity and, you know, Chris, you're also saying everybody's, you know, continues to, to do uh, these shows. So simply saying, well, we were going to spend X and now we're going to go throw that into digital. I mean, uh, is not the answer. So I think you need to build a, there needs to be a plan and a budget ties into your brand to your point. And, and a lot of the, um, things that we want to start to talk about is a, how to build that plan. How do you actually identify your audiences? How do you put a, the tools in place and how do you um, engage your sales team in, in a, in, in kind of like a process that I would call is um, kind of what we've all been trying to get to, you know, when you think of the promise of marketing automation and CRM and, and, and this even sales plus marketing and some of that stuff that, that we've, we've talked about. And we, we it's like, you kind of now almost have to see that work really well. I mean, yeah. you, you can't rely on going to a show and getting, you know, whatever 50 or a hundred leads and having the sales guy be able to kind of be in a silo and get a bunch of bluebirds and like now we're really got to be joined up. So I think that that's pretty exciting. Um, so I think that plus designing your funnel, I think there's, I know some of the stuff that you guys are doing, Robin and Kevin are really helping organizations put in a funnel that is effective um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So if you if you're a a business that is um, maybe late adopter from a kind of a aligned sales and marketing and and, and automated funnel strategy, um, snapping something in, in in reasonably short order, as well as um, basically how to actually go about account based strategies and, and activating that through CRM. So we've got a plan of some some content, and you can stay tuned for more podcasts that and and blogs that hopefully will, um, will spur some creativity of how, of how to make that happen. I think that's pretty much a good start. I mean, our first, this is our first podcast that is not in the podcast room. So that's, it was okay. It was okay. It was okay. I, I know I based largely everything I say around uh, visual in-person cues. So I'm just sort of like essentially waiting for one of you to, to say my name and say, go speak for a bit. <laughs> I know. I think we're being I know. Very, we're being very polite, right? But hopefully, yeah. you know, when people are listening to or listening or watching to our podcast, they'll give us um, some thumbs up and and tell us how did we do in our first uh, virtual uh, pandemic version of our podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. That's good. We'll leave it with that. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.